Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. Look, the real truth of the matter is that whilst doing this, this has been probably the loneliest that I've felt in my life, which I think is an important thing to admit. I think a lot of other people are probably in similar positions who are in similar positions came in and, you know, I, I broke down after one of our sessions and I remember saying I have everything that I want. Things are going like so, so well for me, but I've never felt more alone. Look, it's all well and good achieving goals and all the rest of that stuff. And I, I love what I do. I'm not intending on changing that in any way, shape or form. But I've realized since then that if the work is the only thing that I have, that I'll be very, very unhappy. There has to be more than, than just that. There has to be some connection rather than just being a trailblazer sprinting off into the distance by yourself. You know, downside of blazing a trail is you're at the front on your own. Welcome back to The Better Podcast with yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for high-performing women who want better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families, and want to hear from a woman that can take the complex science and make it easy to integrate into everyday life. Every week, I'll be giving you access to world-class scientists, medical doctors, plastic surgeons, professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hollywood actors, parenting coaches, sex experts, and psychologists. I am always looking to answer this question. What are the simplest things that we can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and it is my mission to be the voice for women. Let's get better together. Hey, hey, Bettys. Welcome back to Better with Dr. Stephanie. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This week, I am joined with my longtime friend, former patient, Bruce Langley. He is not known as my former patient. He is more <laughs> well known as one of the stars of American Gods, in which he plays Technical Boy. And we had such a wonderful conversation. And because season three of American Gods is coming out January 10th on Amazon Prime, I thought this was a beautiful time to bring our conversation to light. Now, just before I get into our conversation, I just wanted to read one of the reviews that came in that just made me so happy. This is from SuperVal74 from Canada, the motherland, uh, or at least my motherland. And, uh, um, she says, love Dr. Stephanie for all women. I was recommended this podcast by my naturopath and this has been such a game changer for me. I love all the info. I love the stories and the guests. And of course, the geeky magic podcasts are my favorite. If you want to learn some ins and outs and all the good and juicy topics on female body, this is the potty for you. So thank you so much for that. And you, my Betty, if you love this podcast, please feel free to leave me either a five-star rating on iTunes. You can leave a review. I get notified all over the world. So it doesn't matter if you're in the States or Canada or Europe or Australia, New Zealand, wherever you are. Um, I am looking up for those reviews so I can shout you out on my podcast. So let's talk about Bruce Langley. So as I mentioned, I've known him for many, many years, and he is such a unique individual in that his wisdom precedes his age. He is massively intelligent. You will tell that right off the bat from our conversation, his use of words, his prose, his in his it's very obvious that he has had a lot of time for self-reflection and he's just a wonderful human being. So we started off the podcast talking about where he began his acting career and he will very cutely reveal that it's it's either one of two places one could have been when he was the star in grade one he was five years old in his school play and then he gives maybe the more likely reason which was um you know wanting to be able to stand out in his family his bigger sister was you know bigger smarter all of those things and this was a way for him to shine as well we talk about his audition for american gods and how he 
prepared for it? And this was an important question because I wanted to ask him how he prepared for something for when it really mattered in the moment. And this is so important, not just if you were an actor, but this is important for every any any sort of walk of life, how it parallels real life. So how we can show up and nail it when it counts and how to reflect on when things don't go the way that you wanted or that you don't get the result that you wanted, how you can reflect on what went wrong so that the next time you are bigger, stronger, faster, better. We talked about getting in and out of character. If you are an American Gods fan, you know that Technical Boy has a very wide range of emotions. He's happy, he's rageful, he's desperate, he's angry, he's sad. So there's all of these, there's this different octave of emotions that Bruce has to tap into. And we talked about getting in and out of character, how there is on the other side. So once the scene is finished, how there's sort of a transition time between Technical Boy and him coming back to being Bruce, why he feels that a good performance has to cost you something. So he's talking about, you know, some of the difficulties that he has in terms of transitioning from being the character back to himself and why that's, you can get it back, but that why initially a good performance does need to cost something. And I would tend to agree with that in terms of all walks of life, you know, preparing for uh, an example would be preparing for the podcast. You know, you can't just kind of show up without any prep and hope that it's going to go well. It needs to cost you something. So that could be either a financial cost. It could be a time cost. It could be a relationship cost. There's many different currencies that, um, that we trade in. We talked about how he deals with criticism, the good, the bad, and the ugly, his willingness to be wrong, his willingness to take in criticism so that he can further his craft. And then we got into a conversation around loneliness and some of the loneliness that as you are more successful in your life, that loneliness seems to be the partner in crime that comes with success. You feel like there are less and less peers around you that can potentially understand what you're going through or the current challenges that you're having and why a lot of times people who are in his position or anyone in any measure of success, why we tend to retreat. So you can have by all definitions, what it means to be successful, you can have the accolades and the degrees and the money and the house and the car and the hit TV show or whatever it is. But it's it's still a very, it can be a very lonely existence. So we talked about that. We talked about what he does. Bruce talks, does for self-care, both when he's on set and when he's finished shooting for the day, what are some things that have really helped him? And then what's next for him? You know, what he feels, you know, some uh, next steps might be in his acting career. And then we finish off with like a fun lightning round. So I asked him some fun questions and Bruce is just so joyful in, and so, so intelligent in his responses. So I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Bruce Langley. I am a huge fan of the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health, the list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. 
In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family. And over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk. And my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apres-ski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot as I have been doing with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate, Melody, you love the best. Bruce, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you on here today. Yes, thanks very much. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. You know, you and I met uh, a couple of years ago now. You were a in a doctor-patient capacity. So you were my patient at the, uh, at the clinic when I still was running it in Toronto. You were one of those people that, I mean, doctors are not supposed to have favorites. We're not supposed to have favorite patients, but you were definitely, uh, definitely one of them. And uh, one of the things that really stood out to me right from the beginning is you know, how, how young you, I mean, who you are, you know, you were coming to Toronto filming uh, for your show, American Gods, which we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. today, but you were coming in, you're like a 20 something year old. You're like, you know what? I need chiropractic to keep me fit and healthy while I'm shooting. And I loved it because I was like, who does that? Like who is so pro, you know, proactively thinking about their health and making sure that they want you had come in. You're like, these are all my x-rays. This is my problem with my lumbar spine. My doctor in the UK is, you know, telling me this and that. And um, so I was just really impressed with you from the start. And then when we, you know, kind of got into the rhythm of care and started to get to know you, you know, my staff and myself starting to get to know you. Uh, of course, we all fell in love with you, but it's all it's it was really about the um, you know you ask really big questions you know so for your age your wisdom really precedes your age so I, I wanted you on the podcast because I wanted to really just have a conversation and show you know introduce you to my listeners and you know what a what an incredible guy you are. Oh, that's really kind. Cool. No, thanks very much. Well, uh, happy happy to be here and have a chat and help where I can. Yeah, no worries. So let's uh, let's start with your origin story. So uh, as I mentioned, and we will have also mentioned this in the uh, introduction, you uh, you play uh, technical boy on American Gods. But let's talk about let's start at the start. When do you remember first acting, first falling in love with the process, and and thinking to yourself like this is something that I really want to pursue? That's I think it, there's there's a, few, there's a few answers to this. I think the obvious one is I got the the lead in the school play when I was five, which is adorable. It was a um it was a play about befriending dinosaurs with chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's tie art, just the precursor to Shakespeare. It was real good stuff. Yeah. Um. So possibly the 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 main song was called Choc Rock, and I had a speech impediment at the time. I couldn't pronounce my R's, so it's Choc Rock. Oh. Um, yeah, exactly. It was cute. So I think that might have helped me get cast. Um, honestly, I think it probably came out of family dynamics. I think we probably find our ways when we're young where we can feel as if we're fulfilling some kind of role. And I had, um, well, I still do have an older sister um, and a younger sister. But um, my older sister was bigger, stronger, smarter, all the rest of those things. So I think I probably found a way to fulfill a kind of family role where I felt like I was still achieving something. I think mm-hmm. my family... Um, loving family, love them very much. I had a chat with them earlier today, actually. But um, it's, uh, I think, getting stuff done and doing it right was implicitly, if not explicitly, praised. So I think I picked up on that from a young age. Um, and also, my, my earliest memory is sitting on my granddad's knee being told um, war stories, my, my granddad John on my mum's side. So mm-hmm. I think that might have woven its way into my psyche from a young age as well, stories. And I mean, I was, I was the kid who was flying X-Wings and slaying dragons way past when it was socially acceptable to do so. And I just haven't really stopped, but I've always been interested in telling stories and wondering and 
seeing where that can go. I was into sports a little, but I always found stories to be way more interesting, way more stimulating. So I suppose it probably comes from that. Yeah. And it's a way more powerful message to get, you know, if you're trying to get a message across, storytelling is the way to do it. You can do it in sort of subtle and nuanced ways as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd say so. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you could argue that sports in the form of, you know, storytelling of legalized war, there's a lot that you could go into and all of that, but stories are so versatile. I think the the big old reason why our species is, is where it is. And yeah, I think they're beautiful. We need them. And you're, a lot of your training is in the theater. You, you, yeah. A lot of your acting background is theatrical. And now you are, you're on a TV show now. Can you sort of walk us through some of the... Well, let's talk about the elements that are similar, that overlap between the theater and you know, shooting a television show. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, and then contrast that. Like what, are some of the, what are the stark differences between the two? Um, I would say in terms of similarities, you've, in terms of your preparation, you, you need to know your character. You need to go in and do all that, all the emotional prep, all the backstory. All the, I mean, this, I'm not saying anything revolutionary here. All the, all the drama schooly stuff, all that good prep work, that, that all stays the same at a foundational level. Um, in a practical sense, depending on the structure of the play, you tend to go on much more of an or, like, organic journey in theatre in that you tend to go in a narrative line, whereas with TV, you, you shoot non-sequentially, non-chronologically. So you will be jumping around, and it can be a situation of, well, that's a big difference, actually. There's a lot more waiting in TV. Um, mm. You come in, you get processed, you might be sitting around for a few hours, and then on 10 minutes notice, you have a, a shot set up, and you've got to go in in a position where your character may have been thinking that they were just about to die. So you've got maybe inside of two minutes to go from zero to... To, to ready to crack in front of a camera. Um, so that's one thing. It's um, close to a dead start to, to sprinting, I suppose, if you want to use that analogy. Those are some differences. Uh, the scale, actually, is probably the main, the main difference. The, the amount of people, at least in, for this experience, for me on American Gods, the amount of people working on this show is staggering. It's amazing. Everyone's working together. Everyone's doing an amazing job. But it's, it's hundreds of people. It's hundreds of hours. I thought about this the other day, actually. I saw one of the, um, the frames on screen. It looked beautiful. It looked wonderful. Um, and I thought, when an audience sees that, they'll go, that, that looked great. And it will. Um, but there's so many hours of work that went on in terms of people building the set, right. costume, the lighting. Mm-hmm. So, many, so many hours of work that went into the background to make that tiny little thing where people go, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's about 400 hours of work. So, yes. Yes, it is. But that is... So, the scale... Um, jumping into things relatively quicker. Um, I mean, in a essence, it, it's good work. You, it's authentic, good, honest, honest art at its core, which I think is the main thing that keeps keeps me interested. At least, it's, it's good work and different styles of writing for sure. But yeah, good writing. And I want uh, you mentioned something about you know the preparation is the same, and I definitely want to talk about that. Uh, and maybe we can talk about that in terms of your audition for American Gods. And, you know, while the listener may not necessarily, you know, have a Hollywood career as you do, we want to be, uh, we want to be able to show up and nail it when, when the time, when, when, you know, the time calls for uh, such heroic efforts. So when you were first auditioning for the role, did you walk out of it and say, okay, like we're done here, nailed it. This is, you know, they're just going to wrap it up. Or did you walk out and you're like, what just happened? I can't remember. Like for me, whenever I'm in a flow state, I can never remember what happened. So after a really great conversation with someone, I'll be like, damn it, what did I say when we were talking about that? I can't remember. So tell, like maybe just walk us through what your experience was like in terms of auditioning for uh, American Gods, but also your prep in, in, uh, in, in the anticipation of the audition as well. Sure. I think, I mean, flow, I think that's a really good analogy to, to jump off of later as well. Um, that's, I feel very, very similar when we're doing a scene in a really good way. Um, for the audition, I actually did it all, well, to begin with, at least via self-tape. So not too dissimilar to, to what we're doing now, except I'll have a friend there, we'll read the scene. Um, I did that when I was still in London, um, in Turnpike Lane, shout out North London, with my uni chums. <laughs> I did a, did a few tapes and sent that off, and I, I actually didn't hear anything back for about two months after I sent off the tape. I had a, I had a bunch of tapes come through for pilot season. This was one of them. Um, I sent it off. I thought, I thought it was good work. Um, I did my prep. I went in. I loved the character. Um, but then after the, one of the really important things, at least for me, is immediately after you do an audition, 
you learn what you can from it, you see where it worked, and then you, you deliberately and actively forget that it existed so that you can move on with your life and move on to the next thing. Um, because otherwise, once you've learned from it, if you're always waiting for that call and you're waiting for that result, you'll go, you'll, you'll go insane. You'll it just, you'd tear your own hair out. Um, right. So yeah. I didn't hear anything for about two months. And then um, I got a, a call from my, my manager, my agent, saying they'd like you to try it like this. That started about two months of consistent taping where I was doing maybe four or five tapes a week of the same thing and sending this over to the casting director. The, um, same, the same lines, the same script? Similar. They added some new ones um, mm-hmm. eventually because they'd seen the scene so many times in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually that culminated in them flying me out to test, which I actually did, I didn't know what that meant at the time. But that basically means that they're seriously considering offering you the role. You're down to the last few. You come out and you sign the contract beforehand. That's all been negotiated. And then they, they see you in person. So I flew out mm-hmm. to LA to test, which was amazing. That was already a win for me as far as I'm concerned. It was great. Um, and then, it, uh, yeah, it w- actually, this is an important point, maybe. It was um, the casting director, when they first saw my tape, they said that they knew that I was right for the role when they first saw it. Um, but they had a bunch of other people interested in the role. So um, this is Orly Sitowitz and Margie Simpkin, the casting directors. But they saved, Orly saved my, um, my tape onto a desktop um, under Gaptooth Boy. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if I told you this. No, little, I've never heard this story before. Yeah. It was literally, so there's a little gap tooth voice out there and they had people come in and maybe they were good, maybe they weren't, maybe they were interested, maybe they were busy, busy, sorry. And they fell out for whatever reason over the course of the thing. And eventually she kept on saying, what about gap tooth boy? Enough times that eventually they saw me. But anyway, long and short of it is I went in, I tested, loved the gang, was some good work. And then a week later, um, I was doing kids parties at the time. So I had a, suitcase full of lightsabers suitcase full of a shaggy do costume and all the rest of it this got the call saying like you got the role and it was yeah then it was you're moving to toronto for half a year and nine days sort out your proverbial shit right um but in terms of the the prep for it it's i went in when i went into test so it's a room full of producers and the casting directors like the people who make the decisions um i wasn't nervous i i went because i'd done i'd been with that character for four months and I had done so much I and it was it was in me it was completely natural I could they could have asked me to do it any which way standing on my head backwards I on a very emotional level and a very very deep level I understood that character to the point where they could have asked me to do anything I wasn't nervous because I'd I'd bled through my eyes through the eyes of the character for four months I knew I was I was so ready for it. I wasn't nervous. It was playtime. It was fun, actually. I was really mm-hmm. looking forward to it. The whole thing was entertaining. Um, and in terms of prep, going into shoot, um, for example, in terms of being ready for some scenes that are slightly more emotional and you need to be able to jump into some pretty dark places pretty quickly, you, you do your emotional prep, you go in and you have it all cooking and ready. And uh, it's, it's, it's been getting easier to do and I need less and less warm-up time but it's essentially getting yourself in a position where in the 15 seconds where they set up the shot and they're saying sound speed all the rest of that stuff you can jump into your previous circumstances I mean it's I'm rambling slightly in terms of an actionable term it's you know it's it's the old Arnold mantra of reps 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 I've I've been in classes since uni and I haven't really stopped pretty much weekly I'm always reading plays I'm always reading things and actively putting up scenes where they can be critiqued and worked and see where it, what's not working. Mm-hmm. So just training, just as much training as I can get my grubby little mitts on, really. And theatre, theatre's really good training. You get instant feedback from the audience. That's another beautiful part of it. It's, you know, if things work, if things don't, you know, if it's real, you know, if it's real, you can feel it yourself, but the audience will let you know as well. Um, just, go in being more ready than anyone else can be is kind of my mantra. I go in there and they could ask me to do anything. It's that's the kind of prep that I do. I'd make sure that nothing could I'm yeah, they could throw anything at me. And that's kind of the mantra I go in there with. And do you find that after you've been shooting, after you've been technical boy, is there a time where you need to transition back to being 
Bruce, I know that there's been, you know, we hear of actors that just stay in character the entire time, whether they're shooting or not. And the character in many ways integrates into the personality of the, of the actor. Is that something that's been true for you? Or do you find that, as you were saying, with the warm-up, you need less and less time with the warm-up? Is it the same on the other side of that, where you're finished the shoot, you're finished being tech boy, technical boy, and now you can just go back to being yourself? Or is there a bit of a yeah, in-between I'd, I'd say there is an in between, and in and in that in between, there can be a there can be a huge chasm of different variant possibilities. In that, um, it's immediately after, depending on the, the level of the scene or the rest of it. But it's it's not the most fun headspace to be in. Is is the character? I think it's entirely appropriate to be in that that exact headspace. That's that's where the character is as myself and all the rest of that stuff. Um, yes. Yes. But it's it's not fun. It's basically personified avatar of modern day loneliness, anxiety, twitch reactions, and fight or flight response consistently, and being consistently betrayed by things that you've created. It's a hell of an interesting character. It's a gold plate of a gift. It's beautiful and I love it. Um, but yeah, it can be, it's tricky sometimes for me to get out of it. What, my, what I usually do is just come back. Usually I like to keep to myself and just do something that is completely unrelated and just usually watch a nice story, just people being normal or hang out with some of the cast. Um, but yes, it, it, I think a good performance should cost you something. I think that's, and you can, you can get it back, but it, yeah, it hurts. It hurts and it does, it leaves a bit of a mark afterwards. So I think it's important, particularly if it's a consistent schedule, I think it's important to, to salve the wounds and suture them where needed. And um, yeah, if need be, look at, uh, look at where those wounds come from. But, as far as the work's concerned, you go in and you get that done. And I, I want a scene to, to use me up. I want it, I want it to be everything and, and all of me as the character. I think that's the only real way to do it. I think that's what mm-hmm. good art should be. I think it should be everything. That's wonderfully said. I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And do you, yeah. do you find that your, are your personalities, your, like Bruce, is your personality totally separate from Technical Boy? Or do you find that there is, uh, you know, overlap between you two? It's definitely overlap. I mean, depending on the, on the old school of acting that you, that you train at. But, um, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the character is built from, from, from parts of myself and all the rest of that stuff. It's, it, may, it might start off in a slightly abstract context when thinking about playing a deity and all the rest of that stuff, but ultimately the main thing that people are going to connect to is the human emotion. And in terms of hardline to human emotion, there's, there's little shortcuts you can do. There's like emotional recall techniques like Uta Hagen stuff. Um, but when, as you mentioned earlier, when, it, when it's flow, everything else kind of melts away and you and it's... It's practical when talking about it to say the character, but I never think of it as the character because that's separate. When when you're playing with it, it's it's beyond osmosis. It's the same thing. Um, so it all kind of bleeds away, and then it's just kind of like a strangely macabre and divine dance that you you do with the material and the other people you're playing with, and then on the other side of it, you you see what happens. Um, but then with TV, you're aware of the structure. You get more comfortable playing, knowing where things are. It's um. Yeah, I, I kind of think of it more more like a a dance with your demons and your angels having a conversation with each other at the same time through the character. That's amazing. And with um, one of the things that I have noticed, and it's probably not the same degree, it's definitely not the same degree with me as it is with you, as your platform grows and as your visibility grows, you know, you talked about the amount of preparation that you do for the character and you can, you know, you can you just need a couple minutes and then you can kind of go to some of those places that, that the, uh, that the team needs from you in order to perform and to be technical boy. Mm-hmm. But as your platform grows, I would imagine that there's also going to be people who are, there's going to be people who love you and you're going to have, you know, the fans and the adoration and the accolades that come with your work, but you're also going to have criticism. Sure. So my question, that long preamble is, you know, how do you deal with some of the criticism of your work and, you know, in your line of work, of course, people tend to also uh, not only criticize your work, but criticize you. So is there, are there frameworks that you have developed or is there a way that you relate to uh, criticism? Um, 
I've been relatively fortunate in terms of I haven't had to deal with with too much of that. Some flavours of it, but nowhere near as bad as um as other people have for sure. Um, relationship to criticism, I I mean to be honest, I'll I'll honestly welcome it if it's valid. If there's mm-hmm. a if the, if it highlights a, a hole in my game of somewhere I can improve and get better, then yes, please tell me. I I want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then equally speaking, if it's a, just a consistent bombardment from the uh, the whole online world picking you apart in every possible fiber yeah that 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 can get to you i part of it which i've been realizing recently a large part of being able to do this for me is being able to actively mentally detach from the rest of the world when you're doing your work um which is sort of a slightly more floral way of saying that when when i'm doing the world when i'm doing the work nothing else exists whereas again flow good old um Haley, check me Set me high. That was him, wasn't it? The book. Um, so you're not on social. You're not on Instagram. Well, you're not I checking am. your tweets. You are. Oh well, not necessarily. I I haven't been on there that much recently. When I'm working, I tend to step a bit away from it um, because the work the work is kind of the only thing that really exists for me at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I do. And every now and then, it's it's for the most part, it's been really positive. It's mostly people saying that they really enjoyed it. I mean, every now and then, I'll have someone come up to me and say. Hey, you play that. You're an asshole. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah thanks, man. It's me. Um, yeah, cheers, bro. But um, I've been quite fortunate in that regard. I think one of the it's going to be a real test going forward. It's going to be seeing how I respond to that kind of stuff. It's look, opinions are all well and good, and every everyone's got one. But I think I've been relatively good at distancing myself from. Uh, the the noise and madness of crowds and the kind of cacophony that can come from a mob mentality generally around a, a yes. bandwagon or a show or all the rest of that stuff. Um, if I need to take a step back and look, ultimately I know I've done the work. I know I've done the work and the prep to go into it. And if it's if it's good work, then t- you can take all the shots you want, really. And I don't really necessarily see. It gets slightly more blurred if people start to take personal shots at, say, my personal life or something like that. But I've been quite fortunate that's not really been happening to me mm-hmm. yet. Um, yes, yeah, so we're knocking on our post. heads. Yes, knocking on wood. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Um, but so far, the, the fan base and just, it, yeah, I've not really had anyone been actively really aggressive in a negative sense towards me around right. this, which I'm very, really, really grateful for. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna. It's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. And how do you, is there, have you had to deal with people who feel or put up boundaries for people who, you know, feel entitled to, you know, all the, all the permutations and details of your, of your privacy. You know, one of the things that, you know, we see in, you know, the celebrity culture is, you know, you make a mistake and you're canceled. There's this cancel culture. So I love what you're saying about, you know, if you have a valid criticism for me, please give it to me and I will use that and integrate that to grow because actually that that's actually how that is the right way to do it. Um, but the the other flip side of that is that people will feel like, well, he's in the he's in the spotlight. He's chosen this, so you know anything is sort of fair game. Is there is there how do you deal with have you had to deal with that? Have you had experience with people who've just felt entitled to you know your privacy and having to put up walls or boundaries around what is acceptable and what is not? Um, sort of here and there. I mean, I also fully acknowledge that. 
sort of that goes hand in hand with this game is that and that you are in the public eye in the public sphere in a certain sense but I mean, honestly, hand on, heart, hand on heart, I don't think I'm at the kind of publicity and notoriety level where that becomes an active problem for me yet. I think that's probably a little further down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been some situations where maybe people are slightly more familiar, but at the same time, I, I don't begrudge that in any way, shape or form. I'm a, it's usually in a very, very friendly environment, in a friendly situation. As I, so far, I've been, you know, as I said, really, really lucky. Everyone's been... The people who enjoy the show tend to really enjoy the show and they're enthusiastic about it. So that's, that's been lovely. I don't know, my mum, I went back for Christmas. My mum showed me, was it my sister? We're all together. Anyway, they showed me a um, thing. It was, I, did, I think I did one tweet a while ago where I posted a picture of my family and it was like uh, upcoming people in the world of TV or whatever. And it was talking about how I love to take holidays with my family and, and it had this long article about what I liked this. You have no idea who I am. Who wrote this? Right. You know, I, yeah, I've no. I've, there's a couple of those floating around, but I mean, if people want to read them, that's fine. But ultimately, I'll, I'll pop out in terms of social what I what I feel that I want to in terms of my personal life. I would my real concerns for the work. So I hope that the work is what people are most concerned with. It's what I'm most yeah. concerned with, mm-hmm. and I hope that that speaks the loudest. And then, if anything else needs to adapt from there, I will. Will. I suppose this is more of a watch this space kind of scenario. We'll we'll see. You were at the house um, well, not too long ago now, a couple months, eh, yeah, a month ago maybe, month maybe. ago, something like bit. that. Yes, uh, and this is uh, you know this is how you know you and I have kept in touch in in many ways. So you know you were patient at the clinic, and then you know I was inviting you to some of the events that Giovanni and I uh, run, and we do these things called superhero coffees, yes. um, where we. We bring sort of people that we think are going to really get along together and we sit in our kitchen, you know, it's a round circular table and we just talk. And one, when you, the, the, the time that you were over, there were, you know, at, there were other influencers, people on Instagram, you know, uh, artists, etc. And one of the through lines, and I think that this relates back to your character, to Technical Boy, is this this through line of of loneliness? Now we won't name mm. who was there. It doesn't matter. Sure. Um, there were, you know, I, Giovanni and I were after uh, everyone had left. We, you know, he made some. It was a funny remark, and I'm paraphrasing. He said something like, "You know, there was like the cumulative. There was like millions of followers at the table. You know, like the 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 amount of you know influence and people that um, were at the table. But the the through line and the conversation that we were having." was this idea of loneliness and sure. this idea that you know once you reached a certain level of success that you had less and less peers who understood what was going on there was this pressure to sort of show up as you know you were pr- you know there was some pressure to sort of play a role is this and you had touched on it and this is I want to sort of let you steer the boat here a little bit uh, mm-hmm. in terms of talking about and again, this can come back to my question before around, you know, the similarities between your character and you, but is this something that you can, or that you did relate to when we were, when we were at the home? And is this something you can relate to now around this idea of, um, you know, having people that, that know and see and understand you? Yeah. Um, in a word, yes. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I phrase it exactly like that, but for, for the loneliest loneliness flavor of it yeah definitely for sure um in my experience at least i'm not going to claim to be able to speak for anyone or every anyone else in this position but for me um it is i mean i've, I've active i mean i've actively been moving countries to, to shoot this that's a thing but it's it's easy to become isolated especially if you if your priorities are stacked the way mine are in terms of the work being the top priority other mm-hmm. things tend to fall by the wayside. And that's actually something that I, I think I'm going to need to adapt going forward, just in terms of mental longevity and just, you know, being a human. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's wired for connection. I mean, you, your, yeah. your home is in Britain, like your family, your friends, where you grew up you, is in the UK. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, I lived in LA for a bit in between the other seasons and I've got some good chums there as well. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's easy. It is easy to get. It's easy to get super duper lonely doing this thing. It's it's very very easy to do that. And 
I suppose, yeah. I mean, the better it goes, the busier you are, but you have these... So let's, let's say you have a full working week and you get picked up at, I don't know, four or five in the morning on a Monday. You you head in, you get processed, you see the people in like the hair and makeup trailer, you'll, you'll see the, the ADs around the trailers and all the rest of that stuff. Maybe you'll wait for a bit, you'll go in, you're in character headspace most of the day, um, you shoot your thing, maybe it's a 14-hour day, 16-hour day, whatever it may be. If you're shooting a few times that week and you've got other things to prep for during that's your whole week, and it, it, it drains you a sense in that. Look, the real truth of the, of the matter is that whilst doing this, this has been probably the loneliest that I've felt in my life, mm-hmm. um, which I think is an important thing to admit, because I think a lot of other people are probably in similar positions who are in similar positions. Um, but I, remember I had a conversation with you when I came into the clinic in season two. Um, I, had a, I had a fever. I was a little ill at the time anyway, but I came in and you know I, I broke down after one of our sessions and I remember saying I have everything that I want things are going like so so well for me but I've never felt more alone um I remember that yeah me too mm-hmm. um it's just, look it's all well and good getting achieving goals and all the rest of that stuff and I, I love what I do I'm not intending on changing that in any way shape or form but I've realized since then um, that if the work is the only thing that I have, that I'll be very, very unhappy. There's, mm-hmm. there's got to be, there has to be more than, than just that. There has to be some connection um, rather than just being a trailblazer sprinting off into the distance by yourself. You know, the downside of blazing a trail is you're at the front on your own, um, which is a somewhat indulgent metaphor. But yeah, I... Um, after season two was probably actually I spent a good a good couple of months after that just very 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 unhappy. That was probably actually the most unhappy I, I have been in in my life. Was for a couple of months after we finished season two. Um, it was it was an intense season and, and that had its own challenges for for its own reasons. But I just I yeah I was very 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 unhappy. I couldn't I didn't I couldn't remember ever remember feeling that I was lacking any more happiness or any more connection than in that moment. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, I, had, I still do. I've got some great friends in England. I've got some great friends here. I've got some great friends in LA. But maybe it was part of spending so much time in the character's headspace. But I think, honestly, more of what it was was just exploring more of those parts within myself and actively, in some ways, isolating myself. But it's... Yeah, there, there is a darker side to this coin that I think is important to acknowledge it is it is a bit of a double-edged sword every now and then and it's something that i'm navigating and i don't think it's unique what i'm going through in any way shape or form in terms of the reassessing of priorities i think it's a very natural transition that i'm probably occur that's that's probably occurring with me at the minute um i also i think it's really important to acknowledge that no matter how glitzy and glammy and how wonderful things may appear for example on social or all the rest of that stuff or indeed in personal conversations i'm i'm a i'm a pretty chipper chap and that's that's not disingenuous. I am. I'm genuinely a, a happy dude. But um, just just behind the veil and the curtain, it can it can get pretty dark pretty fast. It's um, Betty Gilpin who was on the show. Um, she played Audrey in season one. She's great. She's brilliant. She's on um, Glow now. One of the main roles on Glow. Um, she gave an interview and she talked about. Um, going into the dark depths of swimming around in the dark depths of the lake rather than tap dancing around on its surface, pretending everything's okay in terms of depression. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you have to go there if you're going to do, I think at least if you're going to do good work as an artist, as an actor, you have to, you have to swim around in those dark murky depths. But I think it's really important to acknowledge that probably, again, I don't think I'm unique in this. I think most people probably have their own wells and all the rest of this, stuff mulling around just this screaming void of nothingness that lives just behind your eyes where you don't it's just is this all there is is this what life is Mm -hmm. in those moments of quiet it's it's for me i and this is again something that i've been realizing i constant activity and productivity i'm realizing are definitely a way for me to not feel that and the moments where i stop working it's just the void screams and it's terrifying Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It's it's awful. Um, and it would be easy to get indulgent in that, but I I I, th- I think that's a lot of people 
I think a lot of people are there. Um, and you can harness that and you can use that in its own way. Um, it can be a great source of motivation, but at the same time, I think it's ultimately something that people need to deal with. I think it can manifest in not necessarily healthy ways. But um, yeah, no, it's scary. Life's scary and it hurts and you need to work your ways around it. I don't know. We're all, we're all working it out. I mean, I, I, I talked slightly about this when on um, that coffee morning, mm-hmm. some of the advice I got from the other people at the table who are um, slightly more advanced in terms of life experience than me were saying, you might not feel like you know what's going on, but hey, spoiler alert, no one does. Right. So right. I don't know. I, one of the things that I'm trying to work out at the minute are, is, does this change? Is this something that I can actively change about myself? Or is this just what life is for most people and people cope with it in different ways? Maybe that's more of a philosophical question, but I, I would argue it's slightly more of a practical one. I, I don't know. And it's tricky because you're doing, on the one hand, you're doing something that you love. Yes. But yeah. on, on the other hand, you know, the, the playing in the major leagues or the big leagues or, you know, following the dream that you want to be following has its, you know, has the expense of, you know, being completely consumed and not having a lot of social contact and not doing some of the things that you were talking about that are positive, that add to your mental health. And I just want to I just want to thank you for your candor and your you know your openness your honesty and your transparency for talking about the challenge that you're having now in the present tense. Uh, I know you talked about season 2 but you're saying you know I'm trying to work this out right now. I was having I was and I I bring that up specifically because I was having a conversation with um Dr. Joanne Cacciatore. She was a guest on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, her specialty is more about traumatic loss and the uh dealing with grief and unexpected loss and death. But we got into this conversation around this happiness cult that we have where, yeah. you know, I say, how are you? And you say, I am great. How are you? You know, even yeah. though you may have just been in the depths of despair, you know, in the depths of the swamp, in the depths of the lake, as you were so eloquently describing before. And we often talk about sadness. We often talk about grief or something that was painful in the past tense. We will talk, I was sad. I was Uh, desperate, but then I had, you know, X discovery and now I'm fine. And now I put on the the poker face or I put on the mask and, and I don't let anybody in. And I think that to anybody that's listening, you don't have to be a Hollywood actor for this to be, or to be on a major show, on a major hit show to be, to be able to relate to this. I think we all ebb and flow out through happiness and sadness and anger and rage and loneliness and despair and all those sort of darker emotions that you that you play with in your character um but we are so you had said something you said something like the noise is deafening or you said you had said something like that a a few moments ago and i think what a lot of us do is we ignore it we get busy with something you know we turn on the radio or we you know go do a workout or we you know so we do something to distract ourselves from the way that we feel and we're never able to really sit in the shadow, sit in the darkness. And I just, I just want to commend you first of all for, you know, uh, just saying that and being as open and honest as you're being. But I think it's also really valuable for the people that are listening because it is, it's part of the human experience and we try so hard to run from it yeah. that it, it ends up being way more destructive, way more, uh, yeah, just destructive than it does if you don't allow yourself to move through it. If you're always trying to avoid it by, you know, uh, playing hot potato with something else, you, you never really, you never have the opportunity to really examine it, where it's coming from. What are some strategies, frameworks, and tactics that will help you uh, move through it? How do you build? And we talk a lot about community on the podcast. I mean, that's, um, you know, it must be, I mean, it, I know you're in Toronto now. I'm in Toronto, but it must be hard. You know, you're, I know you have great friends all over the place, but, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's hard. It is tricky. Yeah, it, it it has its moments. It's um, I'm I'm recognizing at the minute and have been recognizing somewhat protractedly over the past year or so that whatever this um this lacking this uh, this hole this void whatever it is um ultimately I think it 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 has 
come from me or, or probably re more realistically is me. So there's going to need to be some introspection and some, some work done to go into that. Um, yes. So that's, that's definitely something that I'm, you know, grappling with and all the rest of, of that stuff. But at the same time, I think there are definitely practical steps that you can do to make sure that you don't turn into a, to an asshole while that's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and that you don't you don't hurt other people along the way. I think it's it's really easy when you're in pain to to bring other people into the same situation you're in. The old misery loves company adage, but I think it's the right thing to do. Um, I think it's important to take care of people. I think the biggest the biggest dicks are usually, you know, their souls are screaming the loudest. I would they're probably the most argue. Hurt. Yeah, they're the yeah. most hurt. Yeah. So what do you do? So on a typical shoot day, you said, you know, you sit around for like 10 hours, 14 hours, and then within a matter of 10 minutes, you have to get into this character. What, walk me through what, what you do for, I mean, what do you do for self-care? You had mentioned something briefly around, you know, I read something or I watch a story, but how do you, um, you know, you're kind of waiting around for hours on end. I'm, you're probably mm -hmm. reading your script, but walk me through what a typical day would look like in terms of how you would, um, prepare for your shoot, but then also how you're integrating self-care or maybe, I don't know if that's important to you. It sounds like it, it is. I mean, you were a chiropractic patient when you were 20, just trying to make sure that your spine is, you know, sure. doing well. So tell, yeah. me, tell me about self-care and what that means. Like, what are some of the things you would do to support yourself while you were shooting? Um, a big, big thing is staying physically active. That immediately pops me in a good headspace. So I'll work out pretty pretty hard usually five six days a week usually depending on the pickup time for the shoot day i'll prioritize sleep um sleep's a big one actually because that can sneak up on you real quick and you have um slightly disproportionate call times like say one's a night shoot that a couple of days later you're in the morning that can mess you up slightly um i've, I've i don't usually look at my script on the day when I when I get in, I'll I'll come in and so it's more of a ritual. We have the sides and the shot list and stuff. Well, not the shot list, sorry, the um call list. And I'll I'll highlight my lines mm -hmm. and go, yep, 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 yep. And then it usually lives in my pocket, and I don't take it out. And I usually, when I get home, then I remember that I have it. Um, and I know to play with it. You, I mean, I know my lines. It's not just knowing my lines; they're in me. It's something else. They're my emotional response. It's a, it's a whole. So that's not so much of a thing, but. I usually go in and, and for a shoot day, I'm, I'm usually trying to actively, I suppose, keep my powder dry in terms of, I tend to be mostly by myself, um, usually in my trailer. I'm, I, if I am watching something, I will deliberately try and make it not particularly educational. I will try and make it something usually sometimes fantasy-based or story-based that I can, that is not linked in any way to anything else. And then because... It, Sort of again, just below the surface. I'm sort. I'm. I'm simmering in character mode. When I go in, I'm ready. So that if I am called, I can, you know, trampoline wherever I need to. Um. So that that's a thing. That's a major thing. And then when I come back, like I mean, look, this is super duper nerdy, and it's the first time I've ever said it in any kind of public context. But one of my friends kind of recently got me into watching um, Critical Role. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know what that is. Probably not. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, well, there is an education. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a Dungeons and Dragons streaming podcast. Okay. Yep. Um, which I've never, I've never played. It was never into it in any way, shape, or form. But it's these voice actors. They're all, they're all in LA. They're all very well established, very, very good voice actors, and they've just been playing this game for years, where they play these fantasy characters. And it's not really so much about the game. It's that these guys are just interesting characters going on an adventure. And that's it's. That's really nice. It's not really linked to anything that I'm doing towards with work, but it's a nice little detached and it's just friends dicking around. So little things like that. I mean, but you can insert whatever. Like I've got every now and then, I've got a couple of consoles here. Every now and then I'll, I'll play a game. It's, it's usually by myself that I like to take myself out of my headspace. Yeah. Um, but um, one of the other cast members, um, Ashley, who's, who's new this time, Ashley Reyes, she's got a dog. Her dog's called Scout. Scout's very cute. I like to play with the dog. Mm -hmm. um, that's nice. I just, yeah. You sort of always it. have your game face on, though, because you were saying before, like there's like this, um, there's this underscore of you know simmering in your character just to be ready whenever. But yeah, 
sorry, what was that? the game face about? Sorry, I missed the beginning of that. I, I said, but there's always sort of an underscore of you having your game face on. There's always like, you're always sort of simmering in the character sort of ready. So I understand why you wouldn't be, you know, social and having a laugh and kind of going at things. You're just sort of, you know, keeping it, you know, keeping it together whenever, you know, for, for when you're, when you're being called up. Yeah, and that's that's the re- keep ready for the real emotional stuff in any of the other exchanges. But um, I think it's also important to highlight that I'm I'm not walking around like staring at the floor, not telling people to look at me. I'm, I'm right. not that guy. <laughs> I like I I'm, I'm a human being. I have yes. chats with people. I talk to people, and then I'm I'm just like whatever. I'm just just hanging out. It's fine. But then when we go in to shoot, and I know it's a couple of minutes to go, then I'll take myself away and go do my work. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not. I. I that's not coming point. through, by the way. It's not coming through that you're telling people not to look at the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just so we're clear that no one thinks that. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, great. Yeah. It's um, my dad actually. He um, one of the first things I remember him telling me was manners cost nothing and they're worth so much. He um, oh, isn't that lovely? That's lovely. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. He worked at um, Sainsbury's for thirty six years, which is like a, a Lob Laws or a Ralph's. I remember um, Sainsbury's. Yeah, I would yeah, go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember Sainsbury's. Mm-hmm. Good old Sainsbury's. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, he was. Um, and they had the Express like, one, which I really liked. The, the Sainsbury's Express. Yeah, they've got a bunch of those. They're super convenient. They, yeah, they're yeah. doing all right. But yeah, just just be nice. Just so he was nice. a cashier. He was. I interrupted you. He was a cashier there. No, well, he was originally a baker. Actually, um, baker. he was a baker, the news bakery manager, and he was like a department manager and did a few bits and bobs he's he's now a, a part-time park ranger at a local park mm-hmm. um as in like the golf buggy the fluorescent jacket the love, you can't drink that there the whole yeah he loves it <laughs> he, he's outside all the time he's having a great time yeah mm. bless him so what do you think what do you think is in your in your future is it do you still want to continue acting for as many minutes seconds hours months years as as time will afford you is it you know, is that, is that the dream career? That's what you want to be doing? Is there anything that you would want to marry with it that you currently don't have that you would like to integrate into your life? What, what does it look like for you? What the future? If um, I'm going to say, let's talk again in 2030, you know, what's okay. the decade look like? And then let's, uh, and let's go from there. Okay, sure. Um, 2030, I would like to be internationally recognized as, uh, <laughs> oh, this is weird to say out loud and it's going to last forever. I would like to be internationally recognized as the best actor in the world by 2030, mm. um, which is that. a bloody, yeah, bloody tall order. Um, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so that would be the main, th- and that's mainly for the ability to work on the kind of material with the, that's mostly for the access to the kind of writing and the kind of directors and the kind of material and kind of other actors that would be the kind of beautiful works of art that I'd like to be a part of. That's the main thing. Um, other stuff I wouldn't mind giving talks to people I think but in terms of like in a public context I think I think what I'm ultimately leaning towards in terms of a skill set is and it's off the back of the acting thing is that I'm actively cultivating basically in a very floral actory way of saying it but like ripping my chest open and showing my heart to people through the context of a character and going here you go here's some pain there you go isn't that interesting mm-hmm. everyone feels pretty much the same what I can do yeah yeah kind of like oh feelings um, but I think, I think that translates pretty well to a lot of other things. Um, cause it's super duper easy to just, as you like keep the mask up and all the rest of that stuff. But I mean, the way that people's involvement with technology and social media is going these days, I think for a start, if you're not going to be authentic, I think you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, because people are going to find out. And people um, can smell that. Like you can sniff yeah, that a mile. Sure. You don't have, yeah. You know, when someone's inauthentic. Yeah, you can taste it. Absolutely. Um, I'm not, I don't, I don't really know. I'd like to be doing more talks and stuff. Ultimately, I'd like to be, I'd like to have access to the kind of material and projects where I could, yeah, access to the kind of art that, that you dream about being in. And for a start, I'm kind of in that now. This is an amazing product that I'm in. It's yeah, I agree. Um, but more, more of the same and, and all the rest of that stuff. And, and beyond that, I would like to take both of my parents to an awards ceremony and my sisters actually usually only get one plus one. So Mm -hmm. I'll have to, I'll have to get a few awards. (laughs) Um, But that's, that's in 10 years. I'd like to have, I'd like to have done that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My sisters to an award ceremony. I had, um, 
NHL star uh, Connor Carrick on the podcast and we did a lightning round. So I just sort of asked him some rapid fire questions. Would you be cool with that if we did that with you? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. I'm ready. All right. Uh, Time you wake up, time your alarm goes off every morning. Oh, it varies from shoot time. Uh, The time I wake up, 7.05. 7.05. First thing you do when you wake up? Um, Turn off my alarm and go, "Mm," and then wake up 15 minutes later. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite song to sing in the shower? Oh, God. Um, I don't really sing that. It's probably something incredibly cringy and probably punky and emo-y from my teenage. Probably a Linkin Park song. I'm sorry. That's all right. No, that's good. That's good. A meal you could eat over and over and over again. Um, my mom's chicken tikka masala. Oh, good yeah. one. Dream collaboration. Ooh. Uh, um, Tarantino would be fun. Um, I mean, it feels contrived to say Joaquin Phoenix after all the press he's getting lately, but that would be a hell of an experience as well. Um, yeah, I mean, hey, there's 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 a million and one people that I could that I could say that are amazing. I mean, Brendan Gleeson would be great. I, there's so many amazing actors. Uh, uh, Tilda Swinton would be fun. There's so many. I don't just a lot. There's a lot of them. And all of them, please. All of them, please. Yeah. All of them. If you weren't an actor, what would you be? Yeah, probably bleeding through my eyes to become an actor. <laughs> That's yeah, probably that. If you could switch lives with one person living. One person mm-hmm. for a day. Oh, just a day. Okay, cool. One day, who would it be? My answer was going to be I wouldn't, but if it's only for a day, um, mm-hmm. oh, there's so much potential here. Um, I'm thinking too much. Ask me again, and I'll pretend but I got to say it. Go. If you could switch lives with one person who's living yeah. Yeah. for one day, who would it be? The Rock. The Rock. <laughs> Love it. Uh, fact about yourself that may surprise people Um, I can click my tongue incredibly fast in a weird way ready yes that's incredible I love that useless skill inspirations that are not people the feeling that you sometimes get when you watch a piece of art or you experience something or you're with your friends where in that tiny little blip of a moment in some infinitesimal strange ether sense, you understand that you are not alone and someone feels the same way you do. That's beautiful. Mm. Describe your perfect day. Oh, God. Um... I mean, I could talk about work and all the rest of that stuff and going to awards and stuff, but in the interest of full transparency, um, what's been running around my head lately, uh, my perfect day in terms of recent memory, I'd probably be spending it with someone who I loved. It'd probably be a lazy day involving waking up whenever, going to go get brunch, just spending the day together, maybe going for a walk, all the rest of that mushy stuff and just acting like weirdos together. That would probably... Yeah, that's being just being a human being. A show you recently binged on on Amazon Prime that was not yours. Ooh. Um, Amazon Prime specifically. Okay. Okay. Sure. 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 I can. Sure. I can broaden it. We can. We can okay. do. We can do Netflix. We can do. You know, Disney Channel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If we're doing the whole thing, um, the last thing I actually binged. I don't generally binge things unless they just they absolutely hook me. Um, Succession. Mm-hmm. which I think is some of the best work I've seen in years. Season two of Succession. I have not brilliant. watched it, but I'm writing it down right now so I don't forget. It blew my little acting socks off. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, God, there's such, there's such incorrigible assholes on that show, but they're all so human. It's wonderful. It's really good writing. It's very well executed. Um, yeah, I think, it, I think it's brilliant. It's theatre. It's theatre in a TV show. Amazing. And if people want to, I know we were talking in the pre-chat before we started uh, recording that you are currently shooting uh, for American Gods right now. Yeah. Uh, if people want to find you on the interwebs, you know, social, where can, uh, you know, where can people find you? Um, so on Instagram, Twitter, pretty much everything. I'm at Bruce J. Langley. Um, so that would, that would probably be there. Um, if you pop that into any of the, the big things, that would probably... 
you'll you'll find me. I'll be the I'll, I'll be the smiling blonde British guy going. So hey. yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that. So on Instagram, all the rest of that stuff. That's that's what I would. That's what I'd hunt for. And when is the next season of American Gods coming out? That is an interesting question that I don't know if I'm allowed to say. No. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say. Maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed. Um, okay. Well, let's let's not take any risks. And sure, uh, sure. Yeah. Um, sooner than you might think. Okay, well, that's, that's nice and open. That's nice and open ended, and won't get me in too much trouble, probably. That's great. I, that's a nice open loop. So, um, yeah. yeah, I just, I just wanted to, you know, really thank you for, you know, your time today, your openness, your honesty, and, you know, there's a reason why my staff, I mean, Major, who uh, used yeah. to run my clinic, you know, just absolutely adores you. My partner Giovanni adores you. I adore you. I think you're such a special human, and you have a certain colorful way of describing, you know, very, you know, very serious um, issues like we've talked about today. But in, in general, you're just a, a really stand up human. And I too, am looking forward for you to being the best actor on the planet. So and watching your watching your star rise. So thank you for for the time you spent with me today. Oh, be silly. No, thanks for chat. It's been really nice. Cheers. Yeah, thanks thank for having you. me. Okay, buddies, I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Bruce Langley. As a gentle reminder to you, you may or may not be aware that I am coming out with a book in February, and I would absolutely just love to keep you abreast of all of the updates and fun things and celebrations that we are going to be doing ahead of the launch. And then, of course, when the book is finally available to be in your hands. So a couple places I want you to check out. One is bettybodybook.com. That's B-E-T-T-Y-B-O-D-Y-B-O-O-K.com. Lots of Bs, bettybodybook.com. And if you sign up there on the wait list, you are going to be you're going to basically sign up to my little newsletter. And every Thursday, I'm going to be giving you some sneak peeks, some behind the scenes stuff, some bonuses. And I just want to luxuriate and spoil the Betty out of you because this is what this book is all about. It's about empowering women to make better choices for themselves so that they can change the narrative in their communities and in their lives. So Betty Body Book dot com is the website. And if you just want to hang out with some awesome Bettys that talk about the podcast, you can find us on Facebook. We are the Better Podcast with Dr. Stephanie podcast community. Lots of, that's a big mouthful. You just look up Better Podcast and that should <laughs> pop it up in the Facebook uh, search engine. We are a free group. We have lots of, this is where we actually get our AMAs from. And it's just a super great way to interact with other Bettys. And if you want to see any content for me to create any content for you on the podcast, this is where you do it because this is where I'm getting all my info from. So with that said, I hope that you have a splendid week. I love you and I'll see you next week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's geeky magic carpet ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima, and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.